I've got some experience there. Yeah, I've got some experience at sitting at some tables. You know, you just look at me. It's pretty obvious. I am experienced. I, I am not a buff man. I'm a buffet man. <laughs> That's, there's a big difference. So let's talk about some of my table experiences, okay? So here's one of the first ones here. Um, yes, this actually did come out of the back seat of my car. Um, not going to lie to you. It really did. I could open up and let you know what I had. Let's see. This was a number 10. On, uh, uh, and if you're not sure what that is, you're just a, you're an amateur. <laughs> you're just a, that's all I can say about that. It's a number 10. Um, and uh, so I do have some experience here. But here's what I've learned about the fast food restaurant industry. Uh, and, of course, I'm not, I'm not picking on McDonald's. This is, just happens to be the one that was in the back seat of my car. They all really uh, uh, apply here. But this is one thing I've noticed, and I have extensive experience in the, as, at the table at a fast food restaurant, okay? Um, it seems to me so many times... Um, at my different experiences, maybe not necessarily Stuttgart, so we're going to take us off the hook here, but at other places for sure. Uh, employees sometimes seem to be obligated to be there. You know, you get that impression so often that they don't really want to be there. They're obligated. There's a reason they have to be there. And it kind of, many times, will kind of come across in their demeanor and, and uh, their interaction with you. Um, they just, they're obligated to do it. They're just in a spot where they just have to do it, and they got to get, and so they're there doing just what they have to do. And sometimes you get the feeling as a guest that maybe you're in their way, uh, in the way of their day, maybe in the way of their life. Um, and maybe you get the feeling that they would just prefer that you didn't show up at all. It would make their day a little bit easier. Maybe you get that idea. Um, it seems to me that the industry as a whole, for the fast food industry. In fact, they, they have done research after research, and they have science to back this up. They have been designed, the fast food industry, and listen, I, I was born before there was really a fast food industry of, to what it has become today. And they, they researched how do we get people in and fill this place up and get them to leave as fast as we can. So they have been designed, and they have science to back it up, using colors and, and different types of things inside of those facilities. They have been designed to get a lot of people in, to get their money, and get them out as fast as they can. That's the fast food industry, and that's a pretty fair description of how they're set up. And there's another thing I've noticed, too, about the fast food industry, that they're usually feeding people who are already full. <laughs> um, have you seen the size of some of us guys who go in there? They're pretty much feeding, and, and, and everything is uh, back in the, in the uh, early 90s, it was what? Upsize this, right? Up, so you want to upsize that? Well, of, of course I do. <laughs> of course. Why, why even ask? Yes! Upsize that. That's the fast food industry. Now, there's a whole nother industry out there. I am not an expert on this, but I have had experience with this. And it's, you can call this the dinner club. Um, I, 
I don't have extensive experience, but here is my limited experience with the dinner club. And that's what this is all about right here. So with the dinner club, um, there's a very specific specific one that I'm, I'm thinking of here. It's in Shreveport, downtown Shreveport, at the top of one of the uh, uh, skyscrapers there, at the very top. And it's called the Petroleum Club. It's a very exclusive club. It has members, not a ton of members. It has some members, and those members can pay a whole lot of extra money, and they can invite some guests to go with them. Well, I happened to have the opportunity. I was a guest of someone who was a member. And so you walk in to the Petroleum Club, and you get the feeling like the employees really want to be there. And here's probably a reason why. Those employees are paid really well. They want to be there because they know when you walk in, it's more money for them. They are paid really well. And they make that member feel very, very welcome. But guess what? The guest, oh, they don't really make you feel all that welcomed at all because they know you don't have really any bearing on their income at all. But that member does. And so toward me as a guest, pretty cold, pretty stuffy, very cold, very stuffy. The folks who show up there at the Petroleum Club, not the ones who are working, but the ones who are showing up there to eat, uh, well, um, they want to be there too. But the truth is really, the food is amazing, but they're not there really, from what I gathered, they're not there really to eat. This is what I kind of figured out as I was looking around the few times I was there. They are really there to posture each other, which means they are there to kind of put forth their achievements and their status and really just how great they are. And as they get in there with everybody, it's really a contest who is greater than, than who, right? I mean, that's really what was going on. The food was great, but that's not really, it didn't seem to me, why they were all there. And now, like the fast food restaurant, though, the Petroleum Club or the Dinner Club, they were also feeding the already full. I, I never looked around and really saw someone that I thought, that person has a real hunger. <laughs> I didn't really ever see that. They had exclusive membership. No one else was really invited. No one else was really welcome. A member can bring a guest? Sure. But the guest knows this is not your place. This is not where you really belong. You're only there because you know someone important enough to belong. On our own, we would never, ever get an invitation. We would never, ever really be wanted there. So basically, you can say at the dinner club, the petroleum club, a guest would definitely feel unwanted. 
And so the goal in this place really is to serve just a few people, a few people really, really well. Now there's another place. Let's talk about this. It's um, the small town family restaurant. I was driving through Missouri one time out in the boot hill of Missouri where it, 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 you come out of the hills of Missouri and you keep heading east and you come to just flatlands, farmlands, and you go far enough and you get away from civilization. You know, we consider Stuttgart kind of a small town right in a rural area. I'm talking, I'm talking, I'm talking Snake Island small. We're talking... So I go Southern Missouri, and and I'm there on some business. It's time though to find a place to eat. It's lunchtime, and so we go to this downtown area, which is about the size of smaller than this this room. And there is this little place that's open, and 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 it appears to be a restaurant, according to the name and the sign and everything. But you walked in. I walked in, and. Everybody stopped, the everybody meaning about five people, stopped what they were doing, and they just looked. And stare is a better word. As I walked through, and, and I had to actually, and there were tables and everything, and, but there was also like a little yard sale section <laughs> and I, inside, inside the restaurant. And so I actually, as I looked around, I thought, Maybe I read the sign wrong. Maybe this is not. I'm thinking to myself, maybe this is not a restaurant. I actually had to ask someone, is this a restaurant? <laughs> so let's just call this the small town family restaurant table. Okay? So I've been to this table as well, this small town family restaurant. I walk inside. I definitely, it, you would think small town, super friendly, in the, in the near south, friendly, friendly folks. Man. I felt like I had stepped into someone else's family reunion and I was trying to eat off of their potluck. You know what I'm saying? They didn't want me there. They were staring. And, and it was a restaurant open for business, but they didn't want. This was, I'm sure, with themselves, they were very close. And with themselves, they were very caring. They were close to each other, caring for each other, but not for you. Because you were not part of their family, not part of their connection. Let's think. I've been to another one. Here's one. The I don't want to get too uncomfortable table. We'll call that this. And here's my experience. I was at a restaurant. Again, we're going to jump back to Shreveport here for a minute. At a restaurant in the Bass Pro Shop in, uh, actually it's Bossier City technically, um, and so I'm at a restaurant in the Bass Pro Shop, and I've, you know, placed my order. The food has actually already arrived. I've got my food. I'm eating. And here comes someone through the restaurant carrying a little platter on their hand with free samples on it. Now, this is so weird. They're going from table to table offering free samples to a whole bunch of people who have already paid money and already have their food and they're already eating. 
but yet they're going table to table offering free samples. And here's why I discovered why. Because it was a nice 71 degrees inside the restaurant. But outside the restaurant, where all the people were, it was about 100 degrees and about 98% humidity. <laughs> it was horrible. But they wanted to stay inside. So instead of going outside to the people who have not yet purchased food, who might be willing to come in and sit down at the table, they're not yet at the table. They have not yet spent any money, but they might be willing if you were to go out and give them the samples to the people who were really needing the samples. Does that make sense? So I call that the... I don't want to get too uncomfortable table. I hope that makes sense. They were wasting their time giving samples of food to people who had already paid, already had their food, and they were already eating. And I look around so often, that seems to be from my limited experience, and my limited experience spans over 30 years of working in and with churches. So often inside of many churches, people stay inside, inside, out of the hot sun, offering more and more and more free samples to people who are already eating. They find themselves feeding the already spiritually full. Have you ever been a guest and had a bad experience at a church? And some of you, I hope you're not thinking, yeah, today. <laughs> not until today. Have you ever had a bad experience at a church? Please don't, I, I'm not looking for any names because this is not a thing about names. Let's assume that your experience was in another town. For me, this was. I walked into a church. I've had many bad experiences in church. I walked into a church in another town and I immediately knew I was not part of the club. I immediately knew that. No one offered me any directions. No one offered me any kindness. I thought to myself, I'm never going back to that place. And I was on staff there. <laughs> I was like, I'm never going back. Have you ever been at the dinner club church? Whatever town that might have been in? That place where maybe you felt like you were experiencing more a parade of fashion or more of a who's who in the community, which turns into very quickly a who's who within the church. Maybe you walked in and suddenly you felt like, oh, this is exclusive. Like you really weren't supposed to be there. Like, it really wasn't intended for you. It was intended for another group of people, another kind of person. And in that scenario, they were also feeding the already spiritually full. It was just 
a few really important ones. Important, you know. And they were taking care of those few really, really well. Or have you ever felt like you stepped into the fast food church? Where perhaps it felt like the people didn't really want you to be there, but they were obligated to deal with you because you were there. By showing up, you were just kind of in their way. They would really, really maybe rather not have to deal with you. And in that scenario as well, they were feeding the already full. They wanted to, maybe this was the feeling you got, they wanted to get a whole bunch of people in and get their money and get them out as fast as they could. Or have you ever walked into the family reunion church? That small town family restaurant. In that church, they were really close to each other. Like a family. And you knew, you could tell by watching, they cared for one another like a family, but somehow you could never, you had the feeling, you could never break in to be a part of that family. I don't think God intended church to become any of those things. I think God had a really different idea for this thing that he was starting, and it was called his church. We're going to look this morning at a snapshot. It's not going to be something that's for some of you that's unfamiliar. It may be for some of you a familiar snapshot of Jesus. And he's going to show us how he deals with his table. Now, before we get there, let me give you some background information. This snapshot of Jesus, here's what was going on in the life of Jesus and, and around the life of Jesus at this time. Jesus has uh, been loving on and, and taking care and serving thousands and thousands of people who had been following him from town to town. They'd get the word that Jesus was there and they would just start coming. And Jesus was getting exhausted. Not just physically exhausted, he was also getting emotionally exhausted. And, and yes, this is Jesus who is God. But he put on the limitations and, of the flesh and blood and he also put on emotions, real human emotions with that. Jesus is getting exhausted. Now here's from, from serving thousands and thousands of people, one-on-one. -on -one. Now, also during this time, the cousin of Jesus, his name was John. He was called John the Baptizer, and he's even the one who actually baptized Jesus. So you say, I'm not sure if I need to be baptized. Well, here's our, our litmus test on that. Um, Jesus was baptized, so I'm pretty sure I'm, I need to be baptized too then. If I have not been, we need to be baptized. Jesus is baptized by his cousin John. Jesus asked him to do that. John came specifically, ordained by God, to prepare the way for, for Jesus. Now, Jesus was not always around John physically, but he was emotionally invested and connected with John. Now, at this time, John had been in prison, really a dungeon in the palace, 
um, because he, ha- he was speaking the truth, and he did it pretty raw and pretty in your face. The king didn't like it, so John's in prison. He's in the dungeon. And Jesus knows that John has just been put to death. He was beheaded. So Jesus knows this. And now in this moment, Jesus is grieving as we all do as humans. Because Jesus, God himself with flesh, he has these emotions. He's grieving. He's hurting. And in this moment, he also really has a need to be alone while he's grieving and hurting. Now Jesus, in order to do this, he gets in a boat with his disciples and and he tries to get away from these thousands and thousands of people just to get some time by himself. So they push out into the water and these thousands of people see him go out in the boat and then they see that he's tracking along the shore headed to another place. And um, well, guess what they do? These thousands of people follow him from the shore and they kind of go to where they think he's going. So they're following him and they're walking. So they're they're trying to follow Jesus. By the time Jesus does get to the spot he's going, guess who's there? All of them. Thousands and thousands of people. Jesus pulls up to the shore so he can be alone. And thousands and thousands of people are there. Jesus steps out of the boat. He's like, come on, guys. Can I get a minute to myself? No, no, that's not what he said at all. (laughs) Jesus got out of the boat, and Jesus has compassion for them. And he keeps serving them. And he serves them for another full day out in the middle of nowhere. And then this is where we pick it up. We're going to be in verse 15 here. McKinley will have it on the screen for us. That evening, the disciples came to him and they said, so they had been serving all day. They came to him and said, this is a remote place. And it's already getting late. Send the crowds away, the disciples said to go to the villages, and they can buy food for themselves. In other words, the disciples are saying, Jesus, not here. Jesus, not us. And not now, Jesus. Remember, you're tired. Uh, Jesus, no thanks. Let them go take care of themselves. And Jesus is like, I am so glad you said that, because I'm tired of them too. No, he didn't say that. Verse 16, Jesus said, that isn't necessary. In other words, no guys, wrong plan. You feed them. Listen guys, listen. I have you here, disciples. I have you here for a reason. I want you to feed these spiritually hungry people. Don't send them away. Make room for them right here. Disciples, make your table big enough for everyone to have a place at your table. It is your responsibility. 
This whole thing, I have you out, it is not for you. It's not about you. It's not all about you. No, 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 no. This is not all about you, disciples. This is for the hungry. And here's part of our bottom line statement for today. The church is the table where people, all kinds of people, come to be fed. Let me say that again. The church is the table where people, all kinds of people, come to be fed. Here's what the disciples said. They said, Jesus, Jesus, we only have five loaves of bread and two fish. That's what they said. That's all we've got. See, they scoured the crowd. And all they found was one kid with one little lunchbox. They looked in the lunchbox, and you know what they found? A piece of bread. 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 Five loaves of bread and two fish. I didn't bring fish, but I got a hot dog. Two hot dogs. They found five hot dog buns, and they found two hot dogs. Jesus, are you serious? What are we going to do with five hot dog buns and two hot dogs? Jesus, there is not enough food for everyone. In fact, there's not enough food just for us. We won't even get our share. There's not going to be anything left. Plus, Jesus, we're pooped. We're tired. Listen, Jesus, quite frankly, our work schedules are not going to allow for this. Jesus, this is way more uncomfortable than I am prepared for. We're really not ready for this, Jesus. And here's what he says in verse 18. He said, bring them here. Give me those hot dog buns and those two hot dogs. Bring them here. Bring them here. Here's what happens in verse 19. Then he told the people to sit down on the grass. And Jesus took the five loaves and the two fish. He looked up toward heaven. He blessed them. And then breaking the loaves into pieces, he gave the bread to his disciples who distributed it to the people. Let me remind you. The church is the table where people, all kinds of people, come to be fed. So, we are compelled to make room. The way they did head counting back then, they only counted the men. I know, it, you know. You know how many men there were? About 5,000 men. And you can add at least 5,000 ladies. And you can add at least 5,000 kids. There were almost 20,000 people following Jesus around, and they had five loaves, 
two fishes, and Jesus, Jesus sat them all at his table. He was compelled to make room. Now here's our invitation for you and for me, for us that we call ourselves Stuttgart Harvest Church. Here's our invitation. We are called to invite the hungry, all kinds of people, not just these people, not just these people, all kinds of people. We are called to invite the hungry, all kinds of people, all kinds of backgrounds, all kinds of people that are different than you even. That's our invitation, to go invite them to our table. And listen, though, the cost of not inviting them is high. It is eternal. The cost of not inviting them is life and death. See, that's where this comes in. We value at Stuttgart Harvest Church acceptance. You know what that means? All kinds of people with all kinds of backgrounds and all kinds of pain, all kinds of hurt, all kinds of disappointments, all kinds of sin. And we throw them lifelines, not rocks. And here's what Jesus is doing. Jesus is compelled to make room. If there weren't enough tables, Jesus is saying, hey, you go at a table. You put a leaf on that table, make it bigger. And if that table's not big enough, add another table and put as many chairs around that table as you can. Jesus multiplied that bread and multiplied those fish and the disciples handed them out and they kept going back to Jesus and he multiplied some more and they took those out and handed them out and they went back to Jesus and he multiplied some more and they went back and handed those out until every single person had everything they needed until they were full. With the help of Jesus, he says, no, you, you, you go feed them. We are compelled. We are compelled at Stuttgart Harvest Church to keep adding leaves to our table to make it bigger. As long as there's one person not yet connected to Jesus in Stuttgart, we want to make sure there's room for them at our table. And guess what? We're not compelled just to make room here. We're compelled at Stuttgart Harvest Church to add more tables in other places. So that people in other places can have a spot at his table. We're compelled. You know why? 
Because the church is a table where people, all kinds of people, come to be fed. So we are compelled to make room. We are compelled to accept them. And we are compelled to multiply, to make room for them. We are compelled to prepare before they ever get here and before they ever get there to prepare just for them. You know, I I live in Malvern. And so several days a week I'm here. But also several days a week I work from over there. And typically when I'm working for over there, what I do is I load up in the car and, uh, you know, um, and by about six o'clock in the morning, I'm sitting over when I'm over there working, I'm sitting with my desk all set up inside Starbucks. I'm not a coffee drinker, but I buy coffee because I got to pay my rent. (laughs) So I set up for about nine hours inside of Starbucks. You know what happens when I walk through the door? They're like, hey, Harley. I don't like talking in the morning, but I talk to them because they're so nice. I talk to them. But you know the amazing thing? They don't say, hi, Harley. Hey, good morning, Harley. Glad you're here, Harley. They don't say that. Because I've been there so much, and I've bought so much, so much food and so much uh, coffee and stuff. No, that's not why they say that. Every person that they are able to, when they walk through those doors, they call them by name. They even call me the wrong name. They did that for two years. (laughs) They thought my name was Harvey. There's still a couple of guys that think it is. I don't care. Like, good morning, Harvey. I'm like, hey. They call you by name. They know your name. They're expecting you to be there. They have this thing where when you walk in, you really feel like they want to be there and they are there because they want to serve you. And they're happy about it. In fact, when they take their breaks, they all get breaks and they'll come out and sit, you know, they take their apron off and they'll come out and sit in the thing. But if it gets crowded, if it it develops a line... Before their break is ever over, they could have just sat down, but if they see a line, they pop back up, put their apron on, and they run back there, and they help because they are serious about serving their guests before they serve themselves. Think about it. What do you do in your home before you have guests arrive at your home if you know they're coming? If you're like most of us and you find out someone's coming to your home, 
I mean, you were working around. You were walking around. You were picking up everything off the floor. I mean, you're getting it all. You're straightening it up. You're getting the hot dogs out of the couch, right? You're, you are straightening up everything. That's, you are busy. You're working. You're preparing because you know that guest is coming. And if you know they're going to eat with you, you have prepared a menu, you know what you're going to be doing that night. You know what sides you're going to have. You know how it's going to be all put together. You have prepared. Then you go out well in advance, and you go buy the groceries, don't you? You, you don't ask your guests to pay. <laughs> when they walk through the door, you don't say, pitch in. No. You pay for your guests. And you work hard on the presentation. I mean, you make that table look nice the way you want it to look. You work hard. You make it look special for them. We also do this. We also talk to our kids, don't we? We talk to our kids and we remind them before the guests ever get there, we remind them about manners, don't we? We talk to our kids, we remind them before the guests get there, here's the manners. So we remind our kids, first of all, all right, kiddos, here are some things we do not do when guests are here. When they sit down at our table, we're not going to talk about the family budget, we're not going to gripe, and we're not going to complain. Don't you, child, try to go first. No, 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 no. Don't be rude. Don't sit at the table and look like you lost your best friend. And also, don't, go, don't just talk about yourself. Don't talk about yourself. And don't ignore our guest. And... Don't expect the guest to know how this household runs and where everything is and where the restroom is. Don't just expect them to know. All right, now kiddos, here are some things we do. We're going to serve our guest. And we're going to make them feel special and wanted. We're going to put their needs above our own. We're going to be kind, and we're going to be thoughtful, and we're going to be helpful, and we're going to be polite. We're going to clean up the place before they get here, and guess what? We'll probably clean it up again when they leave, but we're not going to ask them to do it. We're going to talk to them. We're going to look them in the eyes as we talk to them. We have to teach our kids how to do that. They don't know how to do that, some of them. We're going to show them where things are. We're going to show them where the restroom is. In fact, you're not just going to point to them. You're going to kind of walk them down and say, oh, it's, it's, right over, it's right here. If you need the restroom, here, here it is right here. If you need to wash up, it's right over here. Do you know what? I, in, in my experience, I was a youth minister, youth minister for 17 years, and then I've been church starting since um, 2005. So you do the math. It's a lot of years. My experience 
is that some churches would have a tendency to look at us, at Stuttgart Harvest Church, because we accept people, because we have a desire to multiply. They would look at us and they would say, that church over there, Stuttgart Harvest Church, they just compromise. They're compromising the message. They're not telling the truth. They're just tickling people's ears. They're just telling them what they want to hear to make them feel better. They're just watering down what the Bible really says to where to the point that it's ineffective and powerless. That's what they're doing. That's why they got 200 folks over there because that's what they're doing. They're watering it down and they're compromising. You know what I have found out? That that is what churches say to make themselves feel better because they're not growing. Now, Second Harvest Church, are you kidding? We do not water down what we're talking about. We are meeting others who are hurting and broken and struggling in their life spiritually. We are meeting them right where they are, and we meet them with the loving, life-changing, unchanging good news of Jesus Christ. That He will connect them with Himself forever. That's what we're telling them. And at Stuttgart Harvest Church, we're going to keep adding chairs to our table. We're going to keep putting leaves in our table. We're going to keep making room at our table until everyone who has the gas to drive here can hear. And you know what else we're going to do? We're going to add tables. We will not be content. We're going to add tables. And that's what we're doing in Malvern. We're adding a table. Do you know why? Because it's an open invitation. Because people matter to God. The church is a table where people, all kinds of people, come to be fed. So we are compelled to make room for everyone who needs a place at the table. And we are going to make room by adding churches. We're going to make room by, by giving more and more and more invitations to people to join us at the table. And here's what I am specifically asking as the next step this morning. Will you help us make room by adding a table to Stuttgart Harvest Church? And here's what I'm asking. We are asking. This is a big ask. I know it is. But God has given us a big vision. Because people matter to God. 
Here's what I'm asking this morning. I'm going to ask it here, and I'm going to ask it again in about an hour. I'm asking for 50 people, 50 people who will be divided into teams Divided up into teams, four different teams, who would be willing to serve one Sunday a month at one worship experience at the table we're going to be adding in Malvern. Fifty people who would be willing to say, I'm going to go help get that table started. I'm going to go help make room at the table so people, the church is at the table, so people, all kinds of people in all different places and backgrounds of people come to the table and be fed. And I'll be a part of it. I'm asking for 50. 50 people who will say, I will give you one Sunday a month. I'll be here the other Sundays worshiping with my church family here, but over there, I will go one Sunday out of the month and I'll be on a team and we will go and we will go serve those people until we can replace ourselves with people there. One Sunday a month and from the time, whatever it is that it starts, I don't know when it's going to be. We don't have our 50 people yet. 50 people, and here's how you can sign up and say, you know what, Harley, I, I don't know what all that's going to entail. Here's what it entails. We're going to go over there and love people. We're going to write them some name tags. We're going to love their children and lead their children while the teenagers and the adults are, are, are sitting under God's Word, and we'll be, we'll be loving those, those kiddos while that happens. We're going to be writing name tags. We're going to be setting up equipment. We're going to be running sound. We're going to be running computers. I, I don't know, but I'm willing to be one of those 50, and I'll be over there one Sunday out of the month. 50 people, here's how you can sign up. Will you write the word Malvern on your connection card? If you already turned one in, if you already hit send on your online version, send another one. And in that prayer request and that comment section, write the word Malvern. Make sure we have your name. We need to know who you are. Or we can't add you to our list. Or of our people who will be a go team. Who will say, I'm going to go. And I'm going to help connect people with Jesus. It would be serving the average of one time a month. Plus sometime during the year a fifth Sunday. You know what that means? That would mean you would be making a commitment for 13 Sundays. Out of a whole year. Just 13. Because we are not that church that is afraid to be uncomfortable. We're not that church. We don't mind being uncomfortable. Goodness, we met in this room before we ever had an air conditioner. When we needed it, right? You remember our first air conditioner? It was a little brown piece of paper with a stick on it. And you were doing this. <laughs> The faster you beat those hands, I knew it was getting hotter up in here. <laughs> Will you help us accept other people? Accept them as the precious creations that God 
sees them as. And allowing people to begin right where they are and grow one step at a time. We don't ask them to straighten their lives up first. God's going to take care of that. If they just keep showing up and taking a next step, God is going to take care of that. We just walk with them, walk beside them. We don't throw rocks at them. Rocks of judgment. You know why most of us are not rock throwers, including myself? Because we understand what God has saved us from and what He has taken us through. So you know what we do? We throw lifelines. Never rocks. Will you help us accept? Will you help us invite? Will you help us add tables? Will you help us multiply because the church is not here for us we the church are here for the world and we are compelled to make room will you help us make room 50 people will you help us make room what happens when we become the church described by Jesus here's what happens it means the church is a table where people, all kinds of people, come to be fed. So we are compelled to make room for everyone who needs a place at the table. Here's how that story ends. Verse 20, I saved it for the last. Here's where we're ending. The writer tells us this. After it was all done, they all, all of the multiple thousands of people and the disciples and Jesus, they all ate as much as they wanted. And afterwards, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftovers. The ones who were worried that there wasn't enough in there to feed everybody and that they weren't going to get anything, they weren't going to get their share. You know what happened? Because they followed Jesus and they trusted Him and they did what He said. They each took a basket home to their family. Twelve baskets for twelve disciples. When we choose to serve other people, we're not just giving. We're going to get a huge blessing. Because we are compelled to make room. It becomes a win, win, win. God wins. They win. And you win. Let's pray. Jesus, you fed the spiritually hungry. And may we be that church. Help us in accepting others right where they are. Help us to throw them lifelines and to invite them to the table, to Stuttgart, and to eventually to Malvern. Because we want to be compelled, God, to make room for your people that you created that are not yet connected to you. Help us to see this church multiply, to start more churches so there will always be more tables, more room for the spiritually hungry. Jesus, we ask these things in your name. Amen.